A very blessed morning to each one of you. Again, it's a privilege and honour to stand up here. I know uh, not everybody likes to stand up here, especially when we ask the baptism candidate. They always say, no, 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 I can't talk. Well, all of us have that, 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 that issue. But uh, I always count it as a privilege and honour to be here. Let me just uh, start off with uh, the title of my message uh, this morning. It is called Discipleship, I Will Follow Him. Let me just read from you from a text. This will be my main text, Luke chapter 14, verse 26 to 27, and uh, also verse 33. This is the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And He says, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So therefore, none of you can become my disciples if you do not give up all your possessions. Let's pray. Father, we just want to bow down our hearts before Your Word because Your Word is active and living, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing into body and soul, into bone and marrow. And so, Father, we just want to thank You and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. Holy Spirit, begin to search us, begin to convict us, begin to speak to us, begin to move us, and begin to keep us to follow after Jesus, Lord. We give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a very, uh, in our church calendar, we are, as I count, we are almost uh, 26 days away from Good Friday, and then 28 days away from Easter. And, uh, the reason why the, the church has a calendar to go through the significant part of the gospel of redemption, the gospel of the kingdom, the, the things that Jesus has done is to always keep us mindful, to remind us of the price, the sacrifice, the costly sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. And our only response to this will be only to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I owe you. Jesus, all that I have is yours. And this is what Jesus expects from us. So the context is this. Where there were crowds following our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we know that uh, human beings are very curious beings. Wherever there is something going on and we see a crowd, there will be a greater crowd. And this is the same thing when we see in our Malaysian roads. You see people gathered and you know there is an accident or something happened and there suddenly all there will be a traffic jam because everybody wants to know what's happening. And that's the same thing that happened when our Lord Jesus walked from town to town, village to village, beginning to preach the gospel of the kingdom, begin to preach the heart of the Father, revealing the heart of the Father, revealing His mission on earth. And so, when he turned around and he saw the crowd, he knew there was a mixed bunch of people. He saw because he knew the heart of each one of them, just like he knows your heart and my heart today. And so, when he looked at the crowd, he could only see people who were curious, people who were greedy, people who were opportunists, people who were spies, people who were busybodies, people who were just crowd followers, people who were skeptics people who were enemies, people who were free meal seekers, people who were hungry, people who were desperate, people who were believers, and people who were true disciples. Out of this big crowd of people, Jesus could only filter down to only just a few who were really, really willing to follow Him. Today, there are many people outside the church that are very impressed. They admire, they respect Jesus and His teaching. They respect the ethics of the church, the morality of the church, the teaching of the church. 
But not everybody is willing to say, I will follow Jesus. Because to follow Jesus, there is a price to pay. And that's why the longer a person begin, the crowd begin to follow him, the more they hear about the truth, more and more will drop away. One by one, they will drop away from the big and the small, from the rich and the poor, from the sinful and the sinners. They will drop away one by one until only a few was left. And Jesus even asked His own disciples, are you also going to leave me? But Peter said to Jesus, no, how can we leave you? You have the words of eternal life. You know, one thing about Jesus is, Jesus is not impressed with the size of a church. Jesus is not impressed with people who say they are believers or Christians. But Jesus is impressed only if we are following Him daily in our lives. When we leave the church, our discipleship must be between Monday and Sunday. Not only on a Friday to Sunday will our discipleship be evident, but more importantly, the discipleship that will impress Jesus, the following of Jesus that will impress Him will be when we are true disciples from Monday to Sunday. When the moment we wake up, the moment we sleep, is we are called to be a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are thankful to the Lord for the 32 baptism candidates that will be making uh, 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 that public declaration that they have surrendered their life to Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand for 32 <laughs> candidates. And these are called to be disciples. Disciples are not just leaders, board members, pastors, missionaries, prophets, apostles. Disciples is everyone. And if you want to point your finger, point at ourselves first. I am a disciple. Jesus didn't call us to be believers. Jesus didn't call us just to carry His name. Jesus has called us all to be His disciple. Billy Graham says this, Salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything that we have. And that's why the heart saying of Jesus, if you do not hate. Jesus purposely mentioned the most important people in our life to just emphasize a point. If you love anyone else more than me, you are not my disciple. And this is a heavy, a heavy responsibility. This is the cost of discipleship of following Jesus. It is not easy. But I tell you, brothers and sisters, the rewards, the benefits, the joy is out of this world. The joy is not just for this world, but it is will carry on to the next world. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus told His disciples, again, the heart saying, which will cause many, many of his other followers, many, many of his so-called disciples to again drop out from the church, drop out from following him. And he says, if anyone wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. This is a sure way to lose a lot of church members. This is a sure way to lose a lot of cell members. This is a sure way to lose a lot of people along the way because this is tough. When Jesus asks us, if we really, really want to be His follower, if we really, really want to come after Him, there are just these things which are all tied up together. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Interestingly, Jesus spoke about our cross at this stage in the gospel before He Himself went to the cross. Jesus was saying is that, don't worry about my cross. I will carry my cross. I will go to Jerusalem. I will lay down my life for you and for the world. But you take up your cross. 
And His cross and our cross is different in many, many ways. The cross that Jesus was talking about is different. The call to follow Jesus, very simply put, is to be with Jesus and to be like Him. This is the call of, of discipleship, to be with Jesus and to be like Him. It sounds so simple. It sounds so easy. But this is the most difficult thing about being a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not easy to follow where Jesus will lead us. When Sometimes we do not know where He's going to lead us, what He's going to allow us. These words that I've summarized can be so easily repeated. I'm sure you can remember it. Even today, after you go back, you can remember. What is it to follow Jesus? It's to be with Jesus and to be like Him. But brothers and sisters, as one who has been in the Lord for many years, as one who has served the Lord for, for also as many years, I can tell you the hardest thing to do as a disciple is to just be with Jesus and also to be like Him. Because there's every force on this earth. Satan, our flesh, the world will come against us to cause us to not to be with Jesus, cause us not to be like Him. Jesus took His cross for our sake. And Jesus is asking us to take our cross for His sake. Because when He leads us, wherever that He leads us, is always to a good place. It's always towards a destiny. So Jesus is our destiny. To be like Jesus is our final destiny. Again, when we hear those two scriptures that are read from Luke chapter 14 and Luke chapter 9, one of the things that we immediately catch is that it is costly to be a disciple. Following Jesus is costly. We have to carry a personal cross as disciples. You know, the cross of Jesus was the cruelest punishment of the Roman Empire. It was the most humiliating punishment. And it involved pain, suffering, abandonment, indignity. And for Jesus, it was the full wrath of God that came upon Him. For, but for Jesus, it was just one time. One time, He carried the cross in one moment in recorded history, according to the plan of God to bear the sins of the world. But not so for you and me. Our cross is not one time, but daily. To bear daily whatever comes our way. That will include suffering. Not necessarily every day we will suffer, but it will include suffering. It will include sacrifice. It will include hardship. It will include humiliation. It will include oppositions. It will include loss. It will include persecution, and it will include even sometimes death. And these are all inconnected. When Jesus says, if you want to come after me, if you want to be my follower, deny yourself. Before we can carry the cross and follow Jesus, the first step is we have to deny ourselves. We cannot have the best of both. We cannot have our will, our ambition to lead our own life, to be the master of our own life, unless we want to say, Lord, I will die to myself. I will die daily to my ambition, to my dream. I will die daily to self-righteousness, to fight for my rights, because I will choose, I want to carry your cross. So it means to let go, to walk away, to abandon, to surrender oneself and to give up your old life, your old self, your old needs, your old wants. Is to say, Lord, my will is not important. And then to take up the cross, it means to say, Lord, now your will 
is the most important thing in my life. Your kingdom is the most important thing in your life, in my life. Souls are important in my life. Change and transformation in my life is the most important. What you want to use me is more important than what I want to do with my life. It's also saying, all I have is yours. I own nothing. So when we talk about the cross, when we talk about discipleship, when we talk about denying ourselves, carrying our cross and follow Him, it speaks about the discipleship of stewardship and servanthood. That means to be a disciple, it speaks about stewardship. That all that we have, we have finally realized doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. God just gives us gifts, people in our lives, anointing in our life, ministries in our life, skills and abilities in our life for His use and for His purpose. Then the discipleship of servanthood that all of us are called to serve as Jesus served. Jesus says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. The context of this scripture when, again, Jesus spoke to people who were interested. There were a lot of interests, inquiries about following Jesus, about joining His church. And so, there was a scribe in Matthew and also there is someone also in the, the Gospel of Luke. Someone came up to Jesus and says, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says these words, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. Jesus is telling anyone who wants to follow Him, if you want to follow Me, there is a price. It's not convenient. It is not easy. It is not just so simple. But it involves where is your security. It involves questioning your sufficiency. It involves providence that comes from God and God alone. Jesus is telling the one who wants to follow Him, just as I put my faith in God, I do not have a home, I do not have money, but my God will supply all I need for my mission on earth. And Jesus is telling every follower, if you want to follow Jesus, that is the way of the disciple. Trusting in God, knowing that it will cause us to follow Him. And this is something that we all want to do. This is all something that we all want to say and to sing. I will follow you wherever you go. And you realize as Jesus began to walk, as Jesus began to minister, He began to see the people who were following Him begin to reduce to reduce because he was talking about his body. He was talking about his blood. He was talking about going to the cross. He was talking about persecution. He was talking about death. And this will surely cause your church attendance to drop. And this is what happens to Jesus. But yet, praise God, there were not only 12, there were 70. And uh, when, when on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 who were waiting in the room, in the upper room. Praise God, there were still 120 on the day of Pentecost who still wanted to follow Jesus. I take my hats off this 120 because now we are living in 2017 and we know more. We have the Bible in our hands for the, the early disciples, for the 12, the 70 and the 120. They only will have the verbal Word of God. They were only speaking to one another with the Word of God. They had the Old Testament, but not the New Testament yet. But yet, they remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. They remember their friends, their neighbours, their brothers and sisters, all abandoning the church of Jesus along the way. And they were, they were looking, the crowd was getting lesser and lesser. But I really, really admire. They had their faults and weaknesses just like you and I but they kept on, kept on with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what it's like to be a follower, to keep on keeping on with the Lord Jesus Christ until the end. 
So following Jesus is intentional. It is a sacrificial investment. Whatever you sow, that you will reap. And that is why, when interestingly, when you look at the parable of the four soils, there was the path, there was the rocky uh, a ground, and there was the ground that was filled with, there was choked with weeds and thorns. And then there was the good soil. But even without, within the good soil, there were three kinds of rewards. 34, 64, and 104. That means even within the disciples, even within you and me, all of us will reap different rewards. It depends on how faithful you and I are in obeying, in following Jesus. Whether we choose to read certain scriptures, whether we choose to omit certain verses in our lives, whether we choose to say yes, 100% to the Lord, will determine whether your return, whether your reward will be 34, 64, or 100-fold. And mind you, 100-fold does not mean 100 times. 100-fold means maximum reward, maximum return. If you and I want the maximum reward, maximum return in this life and in the life to come, then the, the only way is to follow Jesus wherever He goes. His only way is to say, Jesus, You are my destiny. You are all that I want to follow. You are all that I want to be. You are all that I have. And that is more than enough. Can we say an amen to that? It is more easily said than to, than, than to do. I can tell you, even as a pastor serving the Lord, I have my off days, I have my downtime days, I have my challenging days, but I can tell you that to be a disciple involves self-control, discipline. And that's why it must be also intentional. It must be intentional. You must put the first things, the first things. You must good put God first. Put the main thing, main thing. Discipleship is the main thing. When Christ calls a man, He bids him to come and die. This is something that the Chinese don't like to hear. Die, die. But this is what we are called to do. Not die physically, but die to self. Die to selfish ones. Die to selfish ambition. Die to say, I want this, I want that. But die to say, Lord, what do you want of me? What what can you do with my life? I have so little to give. Just like the boy offering the disciples of Jesus with five loaves and two fishes. But Jesus says, if you only have five loaves and two fishes and you give to the Lord, just be prepared for what God is going to do. He can feed 5,000. He can do the supernatural in our life if we only give our little to the Lord. And that is what He expects us to do. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be matured and complete, lacking in nothing. And this is a verse that none of us like to hear, none of us like to study. How many of you have done this Bible study in yourself? In yourself, Because this is something that we don't like to hear. We don't like to talk about trials. We don't like to talk about persecution. But do you see, if you read towards the end, there is a purpose. And that's why as Christians, as disciples, we must have a proper, a biblical understanding, theology of suffering. Because suffering has its purpose. It is a growth and maturing process of following Jesus and identification with the suffering of Christ. Jesus says, if you want to come after me, if you want to enter into eternal life, then you will have trials. If the Son of Man, Jesus, was persecuted and suffered, you and I, if we follow Him, we will also have to carry our portion of our cross. That's why Jesus says we have to carry our own cross. This is a cross that God cannot carry for us. Jesus has carried His own cross right in the 2,000 years ago for you and I one time. But for you and I, it is a daily identification 
with the suffering of Christ. It is a privilege, it is an honour to suffer for Christ. Not suffer for being foolish. Not suffer for doing sinful things in our life. Not suffer because we are disobedient. But suffer because we choose to follow Jesus. And that's why we have the, in the Beatitude, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Can you imagine God smiles on us? God approves us even when we are persecuted for righteousness' sake. There is an approval from God. There is the favour of God when we are suffering for righteousness' sake. So sometimes as when people go through troubles and trials, one of the first things humanly we do is to complain, is to grumble. Then when we look at the Word of God, we look to what Jesus has had to endure. One of the things that we have to realize and we learn from the Word of God is not about you. It's not about me. It's not personal. Sometimes we think that the world revolves around us, but God says, no, it's bigger. The world is bigger than you and me. The world is bigger than your ministry. The world is bigger than glad tidings. God's kingdom is bigger than all of this. God says there is a purpose. There is a reason. As much as God loves you and I, God has, His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And God has something bigger when He allowed us to go through as a church, as a nation, as individuals to go through hard times because there is a time for us to rise up a time for us to show that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, how can we distinguish between a disciple of Christ and a non-believer when there is no suffering? Because when there is happy times, we cannot distinguish between a disciple and a non-disciple. Everybody seems to be happy. But when suffering comes, when persecution time, that is where a disciple will rise up above the rest. And then people will say, how is it possible this person is at peace. How is it possible this person is not grumbling? This person has not fallen into depression. How is it possible that this person is still keep on keeping on? They begin to ask. Then they begin to say, Oh, he is following Jesus. And that is what that makes Marxists out as a holy people. Separate people because we, have, we are following our Master, our Saviour. So we have a reward now and then. Jesus says, truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news. Who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age? Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Discipleship is not just costly, but discipleship is also rewarding. Sometimes we become too over-spiritual and say, Oh, it's okay, lah. I will suffer, my reward is in heaven. But brothers and sisters, this is not what Jesus says. Your reward is now. Don't push away your reward when somebody bless you, when somebody is good to you, when somebody dies, does not, something nice to you because you are being rewarded for being a faithful disciple. Just give thanks and say, Thank you, Lord, for being so good to me, for your favour upon my life. We don't have to be over-spiritual and to say, every day I must suffer. Every day I must, I must be inconvenienced. No, that is not God's way. If you listen to the Word of God, that's why I say, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Only Satan will come and lie to us and say, okay, you want to suffer? I will make you suffer more. We are not supposed to be sad Christians. We are not supposed to be mourners. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. But that does not apply to funeral. That does not apply to death. It speaks about you mourn for your own sin. You mourn for your past life. You mourn because you know that you have, you have sinned against God. And that's why when you come to God and you realize that you have sinned against God, then God will comfort you. 
And so we have this promise of eternal life. We have this promise that God will give us house. We don't have to sell our house. We don't have to give up our brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers to follow Jesus. No. It's just that we have to love Jesus more. Anything else that we put ahead of Jesus is an idol. And then this is a great reversal. Those who think that they are better, those who think they are prominent, those who think they are great in this world will be last in God's kingdom. But those who think they are nothing, those who think they are poor in spirit, those who mourn, they will be first. And this is what, this is the promise of every disciple. When we come into God's kingdom, when we come into the new Jerusalem, we will be first. Many of us will be nothing in this world. Nobody will know our name. Even in our funerals, not many people will come. That's why sometimes we don't put in newspapers because nobody knows us. It doesn't matter. To be prominent in this world does not mean you'll be prominent in the kingdom. Does not mean you'll be prominent in God's heaven. Because those who are in God's heaven, they will receive the honour. They will receive the praise of God. And you will be surprised at the people when you and I are gathered at the feet of Jesus in the presence of God. You will see that the people that we least think will be honoured will be honoured. And the people that we think will be honoured will be not, not so honoured in heaven. And we say, God is good. God is fair. God knows our hearts. So to follow Jesus is the call to discipleship. It is a divine invitation to be with Jesus. And He appointed the twelve, whom He also named apostles, to be with Him and to be sent out to proclaim the message. My brothers and sisters, it is a privilege to be invited to follow Jesus. The invitation is to all. It is not a club where there is selective membership, but it is a free gift of God. The call for salvation, the invitation for salvation is open to anyone and everyone who is willing to say yes and to follow Jesus all the way. So a disciple is a pupil, a follower, a committed learner. We will always be a student of our Lord Jesus Christ. There will always be one master over our life and His name is Jesus. You know the name of Jesus means Saviour. Whenever we speak of the name of Jesus, we are talking about a Saviour. Whenever we talk about the Christ, the, the Christ part of Jesus, we are talking about the Anointed One, the One sent by God for a mission. And whenever we talk about Jesus as Lord, we are talking about His role as our Master in life. So who are we following? Who are we studying from? Who are we learning from? We are learning from the Master Himself. We are learning from someone who also suffered, who was also humiliated, who was also persecuted. And you know, brothers and sisters, there must be a Good Friday before an Easter. There must be suffering before the glorification. So for you and I, even as we follow Jesus, don't constantly focus on your suffering. Don't focus on the sacrifice. But believers believe. Disciples believe. Disciples know that if there is a Good Friday for Jesus, and then, then comes an Easter for Jesus, where now Jesus is raised up and seated on the right hand of God. He's given the name that is above every name. And every tongue will confess, every knee will bow that Jesus is Lord. It's the same thing for you and I as disciples. One day, we will be promoted. One day, we will also have our Easter celebration, a full celebration that we will receive our crown of life, crown of righteousness, crown of glory. But there is a, there is a part that we have to play, that we will always be disciples, we will always be learners before our Lord Jesus Christ. The method of Jesus as He led His disciples, as He taught His disciples, were similar 
to the one that the Jewish rabbis were. When the Jewish, when the, when the Jewish people wanted to come under a rabbi, they choose, they select which rabbi they want to go. And then they, they, they had this same method. They went to be taught. And they wanted the rabbi to show them an example, what it means to, be, to obey the law, the Jewish law. And then they will imitate their rabbi, their master, their teacher. And this is almost the same method that Jesus used. But Jesus was different. Jesus selected people. Jesus selected people, not because Jesus was biased, Jesus was prejudiced, but Jesus knew the heart of people that will really follow Him. And so Jesus called the twelve. And then after that, the seventy followed Him. And then after, the 120 were also following Him. And today, you and I are also following Him. But because we know there is a price, it is costly to follow Him. And do you know what happens when we follow our master, our teacher? We will take on the thinking, the character, and the abilities of the master. Whoever that you are following, that will be your master. You will assume the nature. You will talk like him. You will look like him. You will walk like him. You will behave like him. And that's why the, the leadership of the Jewish community, the Pharisees began to ask questions, the disciples, hey, you are with Jesus, right? How do they know? Because of the way that they talk, the way that they acted, because they have been with Jesus for more than three years, night and day. They've walked with Him. They ministered with Him. They ate with Him. They slept with Him. They did everything with Him. And so, they took on the nature of Jesus Christ. They took on the way He taught. Of course, they were all work in progress. Just like you and I. Be careful who, you, who, who is your master. Who are you following? Because if we have the Word of God as our manual for life, if we have Jesus as our master, if we have the Holy Spirit to remind us of what Jesus has said and what the Holy Spirit is going to do, we are safe. We are well. We all have different individual callings, gifts and ministries. Praise God that glad tidings is blessed with, with people of different giftings. And that's why, that's how the church works. When all of our giftings we pull together because each of us have at least one gift and many of us have different gifts. And that's why when we come together as a body, we function beautifully. We complement one another. We supplement one another. We support one another. We can do more as the body of Christ because we come together with our giftings, with our talents, with our abilities. But yet, there is one universal calling that all of us cannot say we don't have. This is what we all have. We are called to be disciples of Christ and to make disciples. This is something that we cannot say, no, I don't have, my, my neighbour has, but the one behind me has. No, you and I have. We are called disciples regardless of age, regardless of how long you have been a Christian, even for those who are going for water baptism, they are all called to be disciples. You know that we are disciples first before we are a leader. I'm a disciple first before I'm a pastor. Uh, you are a disciple first before you are a businessman, a nurse, a salesperson, a consultant, a pharmacist. You are a disciple first before you are a father, a mother, a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a grandson. To be a disciple is the universal calling for all of us. If we are a good disciple, if we are a true disciple, you and I will be better husbands, better wives, better children, better businessmen, better accountant, better pharmacist, a better servant of the Lord, a better missionary. But let me tell you something. Jesus' words on the cross on Good Friday, when He completed all that the Father has said, Jesus says, it is finished. He has done all that God has asked him to do. Not a word did he obey. Never once did he disobey God. He says, it is finished. But mind you, brothers and sisters, Jesus didn't tell each one of us that you are finished. I am finished. My brothers, we are all unfinished product. We are work in progress. 
So there's so much that God is doing. So don't find fault with brothers and sisters in the church or outside the church because we are work in progress. But as leaders, as pastors, as, as, as ministers of word, sometimes we need to bring someone back who is sinning against God. It says, come back to the Lord. Treat your wife better. Treat your husband better. Treat your children better. Treat your parents better. Treat your boss better. Stop complaining about your bosses. Stop sending rumours and gossiping about people. It's because we are work in progress. Paul David Tripp says this, Discipleship is, all, is an inescapable war between the kingdom of self and the kingdom of God. So as people who have been born again, we are reminded that the old man is still within us. The old woman is still within us. And so there is a daily war between the kingdom of self, I, me, myself, and the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God wants to break through into our life completely and to say, Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come, not my will be done and my kingdom come. But that is sometimes we struggle as disciples, even as pastors, we also struggle. Does that surprise you? Shouldn't. Because pastors are also work in progress. We are not finished product yet. The board members, the zone leaders, the cell leaders, your leadership, they are also unfinished product. So bear with us as we bear with you. Do not put us in pedestal. That's why we say, follow Jesus. Don't follow man or follow woman. Because I can tell you, brothers and sisters, if you follow man or follow woman, you will be in trouble. Jesus didn't ask us to follow this person or follow that person. Jesus says, follow me. Follow his word. Follow his spirit. Look to the Father and we will be on the right track. We can learn from brothers and sisters. We can learn from matured disciples in our church. But we can only learn so much. That's why Paul told Timothy, imitate me as I imitate Christ. If Paul was not imitating Christ, Timothy would be dangerous to follow Paul because he would be teaching him all the wrong things. Just like what the Jewish leaders were teaching them, putting burdens on them. But Jesus' way is different. Jesus says, come to me, all that are weary and are carrying heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you want rest, if you want peace, follow Jesus. Don't follow men. Don't follow church. Don't follow a movement. Don't follow the, the, the people. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And you will find rest for your souls. For I am gentle and humble in heart. Isn't it wonderful that the master that we are following is gentle and humble? Not harsh, not hard, not devious, not wicked like some people. But when we follow the master, we are following someone who is gentle who is humble, who will not cause us harm, who will not hurt us, who will not jeopardize us, who will not lead us somewhere that we should not go. And that's why you and I can say, I am sure, I'm confident, wherever you go, I will follow because you will take me to a good place. Psalms 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Besides quiet waters, still waters, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you to both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Do you know that to be a disciple, we cannot do it by ourselves. We need God. We need the Holy Spirit to help us to follow Jesus. We cannot do it by our own strength. We cannot do it by positive thinking. We cannot do it by just setting our mind to just follow Jesus. That is one thing, to commit but we need the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says, God is at work in us to will and to work for His good pleasure, not for our pleasure. So we have the promise. Jesus says, all authority is with me. Go therefore and make disciples. 
Disciples making disciples. That is the plan of God for winning the world for Jesus Christ. That is the great commission. Disciples making disciples who will make more disciples. The dailiness of following Jesus. Paul says, I die daily. Jesus says, His disciples must take up their cross daily. Even in the Lord's Prayer, we pray this prayer, Give us today our daily bread. Not yesterday's bread, not tomorrow's bread, but daily bread. We need to daily come to God in prayer. Daily ask for His provision. Daily ask for His guidance. Daily die to ourselves. And daily take up our cross and follow Him. Daily says, Lord, whatever, wherever you, you go, I will go. Whatever you ask me to do, I will do. That is daily following the Lord Jesus Christ. A very important thing about discipleship, a distinguishing mark of discipleship is love. To love God is to be a disciple of Christ. To love others is to be a disciple of Christ. And that is where we have the great commandment and the great commission that are closely intertwined. Do you know that if you and I don't love God, we don't obey, we don't abide, we don't follow, the first and the greatest commandment in the Word of God is to love God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. We cannot love people. We cannot love our neighbours. And we cannot love people if we cannot love our neighbours. Why do we want to go for missions? Why do we want to make disciples of other nations when we cannot love God? So, before we can do the Great Commission, we must believe, we must act on the Great Commandment is to love God with all our hearts, mind and soul and then love our neighbour as ourselves. And Jesus even says, the very reason why I came is to please my Father in heaven because I love my Father. Jesus did everything because of His love for His Father and because of His love of His Father, His love for you and I. So love is the most powerful force on earth. Look at what happens when a man meets a woman and a woman meets a man. Everything goes haywire because of the power of love. But the love of God is different. It is sacrificial, it is selfless, it is unconditional and it is deaf to ourselves and thinking of the other person better than you think of yourself. So, discipleship is not only costly but discipleship is radical. A new wineskin for a new wine. Do you know that only those who are new creation, born again, are energized, empowered to follow and obey Jesus as disciples. If you sit in this hall and you have not given your life to Jesus, you are not able to follow Jesus, obey Jesus, love Jesus all the way. So the first things must happen first, you must be born again first. Jesus says, you cannot enter the kingdom of God until you are born again. So to follow Christ is to be yoked with Christ. The yoke is a wooden frame put between two animals, two oxen, to carry a heavy load in the field. And to be yoked with Christ is to say, Lord Jesus, because I'm yoked with you, I will follow, I will do, I will serve you. You are my master. I am your servant. We can only be yoked with one animal because we can only, for the, for, for, for the oxen, they can only be yoked with one animal. For you and I, we must choose either to be yoked with Christ or we yoke with the world or yoke with any other thing. If we are yoked with Christ, Jesus says, you will find rest for your soul. Jesus says, you will learn from me. Jesus says, you will be blessed. So discipleship involves unlearning, learning and keep on learning through practice. That's why we are a forever student. We will never graduate from the school of discipleship. And love is radical because of just a few of these things. What makes following Jesus different from following all other founders of religion? It is love. And this love is loving God. 
Do you know that only in the Christian faith, we love God like no other religion loves God? Because Jesus has come to reveal God. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. I have revealed the heart of the Father's love. And Jesus says, for God so loved the world that He sent me. So we know, and that's why we can love God. Other religions, they cannot say they can love God because they do not know who is this God. What is this God? Because our God is personal. Do you know that there is another religion that now has recently come up with a, with a, with a, with a signpost on, on the roads that are imitating Christians. And they say, I love dash and dash. I'm sure you have noticed that. You know, if imitation is flattery, then we say that even the world is trying to love God, but they do not know the God that they love. But you and I, we know the God that we love. We know that He's holy, He's personal, He is good, He's merciful, He's compassionate, and He gave His only Son for us. And that is the difference between our loving God and all the other religions. And the other aspect of love is we love others the way Jesus loved us. And that's why it is new in John chapter 13. It's already in Deuteronomy. It's already in Leviticus to love God and to love our neighbor. But Jesus has put a new twist. He says, love others as I love you. How did Jesus love us? He went to the cross. He suffered for us. And that is how we are supposed to love others. And the, the, the third part of love is even more difficult. Love your enemies. Huh? My enemies also. Love, yes. And not only love your enemies, Bless your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Do good to your enemies. I'm sure this is the hardest for us to do. Looking at the things that are happening in our country, sometimes you say, Oh Lord, I need help to love my enemies. But this is what Jesus says, If you don't love your enemies, then you are not like me. Because my Heavenly Father also gives rain, gives the sun to the, the good and the wicked. So we are called to be like Jesus. Jesus even forgave His enemies while He was hanging on the cross. Jesus says, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So forgiveness is part of love. Forgiveness proceeds out of love. Because we have been loved, because we have been forgiven, we should love and we should forgive, regardless of what the other person has done. If God can forgive us for what we have done, can't we forgive others? That's why unforgiveness is sin before God. The other part is humility. And we know just now I read from, from Matthew 11, Jesus says, learn from me for I'm humble and gentle. If there are two characteristics that really, really points the picture of Jesus, it is Him being humble and Him being gentle. And these are two things that you and I will develop more and more. I pray, brothers and sisters, you and I will be more and more humble and gentle. The more we walk with Jesus, the more we follow Jesus, that's the more we will be with, like Jesus. Can I ask the worship team to come up right now? To deny oneself, I won't speak so much I, I, I mentioned just now already. The other part is also kingdom-minded. That means our heart. It's not just for this world because we are strangers, we are aliens, we are just passing through. And our kingdom should be above. That's why Paul says, look for the things above and not things below because that is where our destiny is. That is where our future is. That is where Jesus is meeting us. He will meet us in the air. Then He will take us to where He is. We're talking about the new Jerusalem. It is only because He became like us that we can become like Him. So powerful. That because if Jesus can become like us, taking on the form of humanity, God has called us to also come back to the divine nature that we all have. That we are called, we are made in the image of God. Above all of God's creation, only human beings are made in the image of God. A moral being, a spiritual being. And that's why we have to come back. When we are disciples of Christ, when we are born again, that is where we are not only human, but we come into bearing the image of God in our life. That we walk in the supernatural.
So discipling is best done within a community and in relationship, in small groups and person-to-person, brothers and sisters, we cannot follow Jesus. We cannot be a disciple in our living room by ourselves. We need one another. We need matured leaders. We need spiritual parents. We need cell leaders, zone leaders, pastors to walk alongside us. And that's why cell is important. A small group is important. You and I must belong in a cell group to grow in discipleship, to grow in following Jesus. So discipleship is an, is an inside-out experience. It's not external, but the Holy Spirit works inside us so that our outer being will radiate Christ. When you talk about Godward, we will learn to surrender and be loyal to Jesus. Talk about inward, we talk about a gentleness and humility. We take on the character, the nature of Christ. Talk about outward, we are holy and love. Holy means we are separated. We must be different from the world. Disciples of Christ must stand out from the crowd. We go against the current. We grow against the crowd. We go against, we do things so different that people say, what is it about you that is so different? Why are you so different? Why are you not complaining all the time? Why are you not depressed? Why are you not discouraging? Why are you not critical? Why are you always loving and peaceful? He says, because I follow Jesus. We have all the spiritual disciplines. To be a disciple of Christ, we must have self-control and discipline. Very quickly, Richard Foster, meditation, prayer, fasting, study, simplicity, solitude, submission, service, confession, worship, guidance, celebration, and even Dallas added on more to uh, Richard Foster. Silence, frugality, chastity, secrecy, sacrifice, fellowship. Frugal is not being stingy. Frugal means I'm willing to do without, do less so that I can bless others for the kingdom's sake. Chastity means that we have sexual constraint, purity in our life. Sometimes husband and wife will have control because of a season of prayer. But then we come back together. Secrecy does not mean the secrecy act of the government. Secrecy means what your right hand does. Don't let your left hand know. Don't tell people when you do good things for God. God knows that's the most important thing. So what is the personal goal of discipleship? It is Christ-likeness and spiritual maturity. That is our destiny. My little children for whom I am again in the pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Brothers and sisters, that is our destiny. That is our goal. To be a disciple is to be like Jesus. Is to be matured. And the kingdom goal is to glorify God the Father. And Jesus says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. But I tell you, brothers and sisters, non-discipleship will cost us more. Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. If we are not a disciple, then we have to ask ourselves, is are we following Christ? Or are we following another version of Christ? Another gospel? What is the cause of not following Jesus? We will miss out on the peace. We will miss out on the life of love. We will miss out on having an unshakable faith that will help us to go through when life is not going well for us. We will miss out on hopefulness in discouraging of circumstances. We will miss out on the power to do what's right and withstand evil. And, and to sum it all, we will miss out on the abundance of life that God has for us. So brothers and sisters, to follow Jesus is costly and radical. But I can tell you, the benefits are out of this world. The benefits are supernatural. If you want to be like Peter and walk on water, then be a disciple. When you look to Jesus, God is able to work in and through you things that you never expect. There is a price to pay, but the price to pay will be outweighed 
by the reward and the blessing that we have when we see Jesus. Because He will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So discipleship is the core mission of the church. A non-negotiable mandate. The flame of intentional discipleship must always be kept burning until He returns for His church. You know, some of us are reading the Reverse Standard Bible instead of the New Revised Standard Bible. The reverse means we put missions above discipleship. We put prayer above discipleship. We put evangelism above discipleship. We put social concerns above discipleship. We put worship above discipleship. We put service and ministry above discipleship. We put leadership above discipleship. No, discipleship is first before everything else. Because discipleship is what gives meaning and direction to missions, to social works, to winning souls, to serving, to worship. It is discipleship. Because I follow Jesus, I love Him. Because I follow Jesus, I worship Him. Because I follow Jesus, I will win souls for Him. Because I follow Jesus, I will serve Him. Can we say an amen to that? So in short, we are designed for discipleship. The school of discipleship is always in session until Jesus returns. We are all designed for discipleship. If you want to know more about our design for discipleship, come for the equip class starting in April. We are going to sing this song as a commitment, as a rededication. And as we sing this song, if you want to recommit your life as a discipleship, as a disciple of Christ, come to the front. The pastors and ministers are here to help you, to push you on, to encourage you on, to keep on keeping on being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Can we stand even right now as we sing the song?